Welcome back to Sister LAKST, where we talk about all things church related. And on today, we are going to continue our episode on the whole armor of God. Yes, we finally got to the armor of God. We started at Ephesians, the first chapter, uh, the first verse, Ephesians, the sixth chapter, the first verse. And we finally made it to the 14th verse that starts with the armor of God. Now, we learned a lot. We learned about the spiritual realm and we learned about um, what we are fighting up against. Uh, we broke down um, principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and uh, spiritual wickedness in high places. We learned all about that and and um, the things that they the devil uses up against us, how the devil fights up against our mind and, and use human hosts and things of that nature. Now we are finally at the armor of God, starting in verse 14. And I must say, First of all, that there are many uh, aspects to the armor of God, many things that could be said about the armor of God, both natural and spiritual. However, I'm going to give you a brief synopsis on the armor of God, and I hopefully you will find some nuggets that you can glean from this and that you can go out and study it for yourself, that you may be able to rightly divide the word. The Bible tells us that we are to study to show ourselves approved unto God that we may be able to rightly divide the word. So I'm just going to give you um, some nuggets and hopefully they will uh, light a fire in your soul and bring a zeal to you that you may go out and study for yourself that you will be able to rightly divide the word. Now we're going to start at verse 14. Uh, talking about the armor. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, many commentators and preachers affirm that all weapons listed in Ephesians 6 are for defensive purposes. However, that is not true. The armor is both for defensive and offensive stands in a battle. Now, a warrior who never attacks the enemy but only defends himself, I say, is a trapped warrior. And I say that he's already defeated. So the armor is for defensive and offensive purposes. Now, also, there is a, a repetition of to stand firm that Paul deals with in the scripture. And it, that repetition could contribute to an idea that Christians are not on the attack but rather trying to keep themselves from being overwhelmed, uh, being on the defensive side of the battle only. And I can understand this finding, or I can understand this, this uh, you know, looking at it in that aspect. I can find this understandable since many Christians today that I've come across or that I've learned or are dealt with, many are overwhelmed by, by the battle. Many are lost Many are lonely, many are fearful, and many are disappointed in, in their Christian walk. And, and um, not trying to, well, actually, many do contribute to God. Many do blame God because of, uh, due to their disappointment or due to their uh, lack of need or due to their, uh, the things that are going on in their life. And I, I can attribute to that. I was once in that mindset. Set. But we must remember when we studied about 
principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and spiritual wickedness in high places. These are the things that the devil attack us with to turn us away from God. It is not God who uh, uh, attacks us or who uh, does not bless us. These things don't come from God. It is the devil and the devil and his cohorts make us to believe or, you know, plant seeds within us. We talk about, we talked about seeds and we talked about the root aspect of what's going on in our lives. We have to look at, we have to find the root. We have to look at the spiritual aspect to find the root of what's going on in our lives. And yes, it's understandable. Paul uh, Paul is telling us to stand firm. He told us several times to stand firm in this battle. And, and yes, I understand that some are overwhelmed uh, with the battle, but we must realize the repetition to stand firm can be attributed to the very first and important lesson in battle tactics. Paul is trying to get us ready for the battle and he's he's telling us to stand firm because it's a very important tactic in the battle now which is to know how to stand well many things will depend on our stance and we can see in all aspects of um, life uh, all aspects even in all aspects of sports you can see how um, a stance is taken in boxing. The boxer takes a stance bef before the um, fight begins. In football, the players take a stance. In basketball, the players take a stance. Uh, in wrestling, which uh, this is telling us we wrestle not, we are wrestling against the devil. So it's important that we take our stance uh, and we know how to stand. We know how to f make a formation in this combat it is very important that we know how and say for instance let's talk about the church the church should be standing shoulder to shoulder with our shields overlapping in this battle against satan and his cohorts not allowing the enemy to get in a lot of times we talk about doors and and you may dream about doors and how uh, windows and how the door is open or the window is cracked or things of that nature that is telling us it's coming from the spiritual realm God is telling us we've learned in previous episodes that all things that happen in the natural are preceded by something that happens in the spirit and I've we've also learned that we have to pay attention to our dreams because God is uh, a lot of times God is telling us things or are giving us information on what the enemy how the enemy is what he's doing and how he's attacking us so we must uh pay attention to those doors being open in our dreams those windows being cracked why because those are entryways for the devil to come in and attack our lives but we so we know we need to know how to stand so the church must stand shoulder to shoulder not allowing a crack or not allowing a door to be open with our shears overlapping in this battle against Satan and his cohorts. Now, let's break down the whole arm of God that God has provided for us. Now, we're going to go to the first thing, which is lunge girt about with the truth. Our waist girded about with the belt of truth. Now, literally, uh, the belt of truth was a girdle 
for the loins to brace the armor tight against the body and support daggers, swords, and other weapons. So the belt is placed around our waist so it can support other things that go along with our armor. It is very important. It is a belt, the belt of truth. We have to live in truth. Now, the first step of an ancient soldier, because we don't wear war armor in the natural, but the ancient part, uh, the, the first step of an ancient soldier is putting on his armor was to secure a wide belt around his waist, which served as a place for hanging his sheath that held his sword and to keep everything in place. And that belt also was to, um, for him to gird up his, uh, his, um, his clothes, you know, back in those days, they wore, um, a type of skirt like garment or, or a cloth like garment. And if they were not careful, they could trip over that garment. So they would, when going into battle, they would take up that garment and they would put it inside of their belt so it would not hinder them or it would not make him trip and fall. Thus, we must bind up everything that could hinder us. We must maintain a life of integrity because it is the belt of truth so we could effectively use the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, we can't go around trying to use the word of God and we don't live in integrity, that we don't live in truth, that will not work because God will not have it so. Now, a commitment to truth removes spiritual hindrances from our lives and give us the freedom to move, a freedom of movement in the kingdom of God. So we have to be truthful in order to have freedom to move in the kingdom of God, freedom to use the word of God. We must have integrity. Psalms 51 and 6 states, Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Thus, the scripture is telling us that God desires truth in our inward parts. So God takes pleasure in the stability or the faithfulness of truth in our lives, abiding and living inside of us. God, he takes pleasure. He desires truth to be in our inward parts so that we can move freely in the kingdom of God so that we can use the word of God and it will uh, uh, be a resistance to the devil. The devil, the Bible tells us, resist the devil and he shall flee from us. Well, we now have to use the word of God in truth and we have to be able to use the word of God in order for the devil to flee from us. Now, Christians must gird themselves in truth and with truth. And we can read about some of that in Luke 12, 35 and 37 and Luke 17 verse 8, which states that girding your lions is a sign of readiness for service. Now, we have to be ready for the battle at all times. When you wake up in the morning, you have to put on the whole armor of God. When you go to sleep at night, because we know at nighttime is when the devil comes and plant those tares. We've, we've talked about that also. When the men went to sleep, 
the devil came in and planted tails in tears in the field. So when you go to sleep, that's when the devil is really working in your life. He's planting seeds. He's planting things in your spirit. So when you go to bed at night, you must put on the whole armor of God. When you wake up in the day, you must put on the whole armor of God. You have to have on the armor at all times you have to have your loins girt about with the truth you have to be ready for service you have to be ready for battle now hard as it may seem <laughs> we have to be ready at all times but i have found that regardless of our mindset if we profess to live for god the devil will send an attack yes he will send an attack Therefore, we have no reason to fear what he will do. Everything that he does, he fights below the belt. But if we have on the whole arm of God, <laughs> there's nothing that he can do as long as we're fighting in the battle. That's why we have to be ready at all times. We will be ready for his attempt to come up against our minds because one of our weapons our weapons of this warfare are not carnal it says that we can uh, uh, cast down strongholds it says that we can uh, cast down vain imaginations pull down strongholds and cast down imaginations those imaginations are the things are those fiery dots that the devil sent at us sent at our minds uh, planting a seed in our dreams planting a seed in our bodies we can cast all that down we can pull all that down once we use our weapons so we have to be ready at all times now what is the truth that Paul is talking about when he says put on gird our lines with truth what truth is Paul referring to in this scripture well i believe this truth is as being the truth of the gospel i believe this truth as being the truth of the gospel we can look at that in ephesians 1 and 13. it is the gospel the power of god unto salvation those who live under the influence of the power gospel will live by the truth and will speak true thereby resisting the devil as we talked about and not giving him place in our lives according to Ephesians 4 and 27 it's the belt of truth is to stabilize things by keeping them in their proper order why because Satan is the ultimate truth twister the Bible states in John 8 and 44, Jesus began to talk uh, to the people. And he said, ye are as your father, the devil, and the lust of your father will ye do. He, talking about Satan, was a murderer from the beginning and a bold not in truth. He was a murderer from the beginning and he was not in truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. For he is a liar and the father of it. So even Jesus is telling us that everything that comes out of the mouth of Satan, everything that comes out of the mouth of his cohorts, everything that comes out of the mouth of his representatives is a lie. Why? Because he is the father of lies. He is the one who created lies. Satan is an ultimate truth 
twister. So we have to live in truth. We have to know the truth and we have to abide in it so we can recognize that what is truth and what is not true. Satan uses his lies to create chaos and disorder in our lives. Therefore, we have to know the truth and abide by it. Why? Because the enemy can't handle the truth. And why can't he handle the truth? Because the truth, according to the word of God, is Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in John 14 and 6, Jesus said unto him, this is Jesus speaking. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus said he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. So the, the devil can't handle the truth. Why can't he handle the truth? Because the truth is Jesus Christ. Jesus already took the keys from death, hell, and the grave when he died upon the cross. Jesus can't handle the truth. The battle, Jesus already defeated Satan over 2,000 years ago. That's why we have to live in truth. We have to trust in God. We have to be honest. We have to be truthful and live a holy and a blameless life. Our daily living should yield honesty, openness, and sincerity. Truth puts away hypocrisy. Truth puts away shame. Truth puts away religious insecurities. Truth puts away religious language and cliches. Truth. When we put on the bed of truth, it keeps us from stumbling over lies. Uh, if once we tell a lie, we got to continue to keep that thing. Uh, the, uh, it's, it's said in the world that once you tell a lie, you have to continue because you forget about what you have said already. But if we live in truth, you don't have to worry about it because truth puts away all of that. Truth puts away uh, religious language and uh, hypocrisy. Truth gives us freedom, freedom to live in the kingdom of God, freedom to live our lives on this earth. Truth gives freedom. Therefore, I, I come to you on today. I admonish you. I plead with you. I ask you to gird yourself with the belt of truth and be free free today in Jesus name. Amen and amen. Now we're going to go to the breastplate of righteousness. Praise God. I'm getting stirred up. Hallelujah, Jesus. Literally, the breastplate of righteousness is in two pieces. One to cover the breast or to cover the chest and the other to cover the back. And the breastplate of righteousness it protects the vital organs and it it was it's extended down to the legs <laughs> back in ancient rome it was two it was in two pieces one piece to cover the front one piece to cover the back and it extended down to the legs now it covered the heart and the chest cavity it helps us to be in right standing with god by guarding our heart we can read in Proverbs 4 and 23 uh, how the scripture tells us to guard our heart because it determines the course of our life. The things that, that are in our heart determines the course that we're going to go. It's, it determines the way we live our lives. 
So we need to guard our heart. We need to guard our chest cavity. Our lungs have to be guarded because that's how we breathe in the air that God has supplied for us. That lung, the breath of uh, God gives us life. That's how when God made Adam, he Adam was just laying there, just flesh and blood from the dust. But when God breathed into Adam, he breathed into him life. So we have to cover our chest cavity, which is our heart and our lungs, because the breath of life, we have to breathe in the breath of life as well. And we have to guard our heart. There are two views of righteousness because it says breastplate of righteousness. There are two views of righteousness uh, that are uh, that the scholars have looked at the righteousness of life and the righteousness provided in the gospel which is not justifying righteousness but sanctifying righteousness now i lean more to the righteousness provided in the gospel now isaiah 59 and 17 tells us for he put on righteousness as a breastplate for he talking about the lord he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation upon his head. And he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. Now, let me tell you, if the scripture is telling us that God himself, our maker and our creator, put on a breastplate of righteousness, what do you think about us? He prepared for battle and he put on his breastplate. So therefore, we have to put on our breastplate of righteousness. Romans 1, 16 through 17 states, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. So why am I talking about Romans, the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed. From faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So the gospel of Christ, it is the power of God unto salvation, and therein is the righteousness of God revealed. So revealed in the gospel, revealed in the power of God is the righteousness of God. Therefore, the righteousness of God is the power of God. It protects us when the devil comes to attack our identity in Christ. The enemy works to bring us into a sin consciousness to our souls, but we must strive for a righteous mindset, yes, to ward off guilt, to ward off condemnation, and to ward off shame. When these things are allowed to come into your life, you will not have the ability to fight in this spiritual warfare. Let me remind you, Satan, or you remind Satan, let's put it that way, remind Satan that you are the righteousness of God. Praise God. It tells us in 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. For he had made him be sin for us. For God had made Jesus sin for us. 
Read your scripture. Rightly divide the word. Make yourself approved. Who knew not sin. Jesus knew not sin. That we. We. The children of God. We. Uh, the righteousness of God. Might be made the righteousness of God in him. The heirs of God. That we. The believer. 2 Corinthians. 5 and 21. For he had made him. Be sin for us, the believer, who knew no sin, Jesus knew no sin, that we, the believer, might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Because of Jesus' obedience to the cross, we are now the righteousness of God. Therefore, we can look back at the scripture in Romans and see that the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation, wherein or therein is the righteousness of God revealed. What is the righteousness of God? We are the righteousness of God. So you can tell the devil that you are the righteousness of God when he comes against your righteousness. When he comes to tell you lies. When he comes to deceive you and to cheat you. And to bring his mischief and treachery. You tell Satan. Because you have on the belt of truth. Or, or the breastplate of righteousness. You have on the breastplate of righteousness. You let the devil know that you are the righteousness of God. Proclaim it on today. I am the righteousness of God. Therefore you will exhibit the acts of righteousness. According to the laws of God. Praise God. The breastplate of righteousness. Put it on today and wear it with pride in this battle. Now we're going to go to verse 15. Praise God. I'm getting excited about it. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We want to put the gospel of peace on our feet. Now the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Let's look at it literally. It's brazen boots for the feet. To cover the front of the leg. Strong heavy leather sandals is what they wore. With laces halfway up the calf. A solia which is a, a shoe sole. And you know that's what we use on today. Was often used to protect the feet from rocks. And from thorns and from things of that nature. Now. These shoes. Or these boots. Or these sandals, however you want to call it, whatever you want to call it, what gave the soldiers the ability to march a long distance with speed, thus making them mobile and available for the battle. We have to shod our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We must be prepared. There are two primary views here. That we can look at. We can focus on evangelism. Shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Meaning that we're going to evangelize. Or. The other uh, primary view is the readiness for spiritual warfare. And I lean toward the readiness of spiritual warfare. Since Paul is talking about the armor of God in this scripture. So I lean again. I lean toward the readiness of spiritual warfare now in readiness preparedness or preparation for combat and for standing in the battle that is bestowed by the gospel of, of peace 
So we have to be ready. We have to be prepared. According to Romans 10 and 15. You can look that up for yourself. Now through our spiritual shoes. Having our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Through our spiritual shoes. We prepare to do battle. And are protected from sharp attacks. Like the sharp rocks and the thorns. Which we know that the devil placed in our path. As we walk down our path. That's why the scripture tells us in Psalms. Uh, I believe it's 91. Or it's, it may be 18. But the scripture. Paul, uh, David began to say. Lord make my path plain before me. Because of my enemies. Make it plain. Make it a straight path. We can say uh, also which is. In the scripture, God makes our path straight because our path can be crooked, but we want our path to be straight. We want it to be plain. We want to be we want it to be visible for the sharp attacks for the things that the devil put in our path to hinder us. Stumbling blocks in our way. You know, the enemy used these things to make us stumble. So therefore, when we put on our shoes. And prepare for battle. You know our shoes are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We want to prepare ourselves. And how do we prepare ourselves with the gospel of peace? What is the gospel? The gospel is the word of God. It helps us to be in peace. That the gospel you know, has been given to us to keep the devil under our feet where he belongs because the word of God tells us that the devil belongs under our feet and that we are to be led by God. Now in Isaiah the 26th chapter in the third verse, the Bible tells us that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because what he trusted in thee. So we want to be in perfect peace. We want to be able to carry the gospel of peace. We want to uh, shod our feet with the gospel of peace. We want to be ready. We want to be prepared for battle. We want to be kept in perfect peace so we can go for Philippians 4 and 7 says that and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts in your minds through Christ Jesus. Not only do we want to go forth in the gospel of peace, having our feet shod with the uh, gospel of peace, we want to be in perfect peace. We want to uh, have the peace of God that passes all understanding. We may not understand, you know, the battle that we're in and what's going on and how the enemy is fighting us and why the enemy is fighting us in certain aspects of our lives. But we want that peace that God gives us. And we want to, um, we can also add evangelism with this. We want to be able to evangelize the peace that passes all understanding. We want to be able to let someone else know that if they give their life to God and they uh, put on the whole armor and they have their feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, that God will give them a peace that pass all understandings and shall keep their hearts and their minds through Christ Jesus. Now, walking in the peace of God is a tactic that drives the devil mad. Let me tell you, thus we must walk in peace every day on a daily basis. Why? Because the Bible tells us to resist the devil and he shall flee from us. So if, if his tactics and his plots and his plans and his strategies and his mischief and his treachery and his deceit is not affecting us. Why? Because we are in 
uh, perfect peace with God. We are in the peace, living in the peace that passed all understanding. When we're in that peace, that drives the devil mad because it lets him know that his tactics, his plots, his plans, uh, his treachery is not working. So we want to walk in that peace. We want to walk. We want to put on the uh, shoes of peace. We want to shard our feet with the gospel of the preparation of the gospel of peace. And we want to be prepared not only for ourselves to fight in this battle, but we want to be prepared to tell somebody else or, or, or you know, the be help meet for our brother, our sister or the other someone else on the battlefield. We want to be a prayer warrior to speak peace into the lives of somebody else. So we have to shod our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace that we may be ready in this battle. We already talked about being ready and, and able to go ready for service, ready for battle, ready to be a help meet to somebody else as well as to ourselves. So we must walk in the peace of God because it is a tactic that drives the devil mad. Thus, we want to walk in it every single day in Jesus name. Hallelujah. Now we're going to go down to verse 16. We might finish with the arm of God today. Praise God. Verse 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the devil. My God from Zion. I believe we already talked about those fiery darts. Let's go back and... Uh, reiterate a little bit before we get into that particular scripture we want to talk about those fiery dots of the devil so we can be reminded of what they are now are, are the wiles of the devil it we can say that they are fiery dots of the devil as well uh the wiles of the devil the things that he fight us with um let's see here Unbelief, discouragement, temptation to sin, compromise of conscience, disobedience, rebellion, um, unwillingness to forgive, unforgiveness. My God, accusation. He accuses us night and day, sinful nature, spiritual apathy, lack of interest in the things of God. So when we put on the whole armor, we know that those are the wiles of the devil and they can they go hand in hand with the fiery dots of the devil. Now, let's go back to verse 16 and talk about uh, the fiery dots of the devil, the things that he shoot at us or the things that he send our way. Uh, to get us, uh, to trip us up in this battle. To make us turn away from God. But the scripture tells us above all. Out of, we've already talked about uh, the, the bed of truth. We talked about the breastplate of righteousness. Um, we talked about having our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. But he he's telling us here, above all, I think we lost one here. We didn't talk about the helmet of salvation. Uh, why didn't we talk about the helmet of salvation? I'm getting excited and getting ahead of myself. My God from Zion. Let's go back down. 
and see what the scriptures say. Taking the shield of faith, wherein ye shall be able to quench the fiery dots of the devil. Let me see. Am I? Yeah, I am getting ahead of myself. <laughs> I'm excited about it. <laughs> the helmet of salvation is in verse uh, 17. So let's go back to verse 16. Paul begins to tell us, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery dots of the devil. So the shield of faith, literally, it is to protect the body from blows and cuts. The shield of faith, it was a large, or it is a large shield, four feet in length and two and a half feet in width. So it's very large, which protects the whole body. The shield must be large enough to protect the whole body uh, against the attacks of Satan. Now, Satan comes not only to attack us, but he comes to attack our family as well. Anything that is connected to us, the shield of faith must be there to protect because Satan is going to attack whatever that is connected to us. Why? Because he wants to get us off our game. He wants to get us uh, our mind off focus of the battle that we're waging war in on today. Now, faith takes hold of God's resources in the midst of the battle and produces firm resolve which in turn extinguishes anything the enemy throws at us, the believer. Now, so we have to take the shield of faith. We know that we have to walk in faith. We know that we have to believe the word of God in faith. We know that we have to uh, fight in this battle in faith because, because we can go back that our weapons, the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal. They are not man-made, but they are mighty through God. They pull down strongholds. We know that our armor is not man-made. Our armor is a spiritual armor. So we have to walk in faith faith we have to believe when we say I, I'm putting on the whole armor of God on today we have to believe that we have uh, in a sense in the spirit it, our armor is a spiritual armor we have to believe that we're standing in the battle and we have our shield of faith in our hand. We have to believe that we have on our belt of truth. We have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We must believe that we in the spirit realm have these things, have on our armor. And to believe we have to have faith. So faith takes hold of God's resources in the midst of the battle. And it produces a firm resolve. God's resources, everything spiritual, we have to take the shield of faith, which will extinguish anything the enemy tries to throw at the believer, which he does in the spiritual realm first. We've already talked about it. It happens in the spiritual realm first before it is manifested in the natural. So we got to take that shield of faith and we have to extinguish all those things that the enemy is fighting uh, ascending our way, those fiery dots. Fiery dots are burning arrows in, in ancient Roman times were burning arrows. Uh, they are featured in the Old Testament. Say, for instance, we can go to Proverbs 26 and 18 that states, 
as a madman who casted firebrands, arrows, and death. Fiery dots from Satan are evil thoughts, lusts, passions, and temptations of various kinds. They go along with the wiles of the devil. Fiery dots and the wiles of the devil, they go hand in hand. These are the things that the enemy fights us with. Evil thoughts, lusts, passions, and temptations of various kinds. Now Galatians 5, 19 and 21 begin to talk about the 17 works of the flesh and we're going to read it now. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are, now they are manifest in the, in the flesh now. Why? Because Satan, he shot his dots at us. And I'm just saying this in, as an example, using this as an example, Satan shot his dots, his evil thoughts, his lusts, his, his passions and temptations of very various kinds. And thus we took heed. We did not have on our whole armor. We did not have our shield of faith up. So that dot got to us and hit us in our flesh. Now the works of the flesh are made manifest. Which are these? Adultery. Are you married and you sleeping with somebody else? Fornication. You're not married and you're sleeping with somebody. <laughs> okay, fornication is a hard, is, is a biggie. Uncleanness. Which are impure motives. Lasciviousness. Unbridled lust. Idolatry. You, you, you're, you're serving a, a different God. Witchcraft. Witchcraft is a work of the flesh. Youths are administering drugs, sorcery, magical arts. It's a, love, it's a work of the flesh. Hatred. Variances, which is strife and debate. Always debating. Always striving with somebody. Variances. Emulations. And envious and contentious rivalry, jealousy, always jealous, wrath. We know that's hate and anger. And this strife, electioneering or intriguing for office, a desire to put oneself forward. Strife, you desire to make yourself go forward. You're always uh, uh, manipulating somebody so you can get ahead. Seditions. Divisions, heresies, opinion or doctrine or at variance with the orthodox or accepted doctrines. Heresies. We have an accepted doctrine here in Jesus Christ through the Bible, through the word of God. But a heresy, you go against the accepted doctrine. You go against what is uh, accepted by uh, what God has put forth as his uh, covenant, as his statute, as his laws, as his codification. Heresies. Instead of you accepting God's doctrine, you accept something else. Envians, murders, drunkenness, revelings, which is rioting, drunken righteousness, and such like. <clears throat> of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. See, this is why the devil shoot those fiery dots of, of uh, 
evil thoughts and lusts and passions and temptations of various kinds so that the lust of the flesh can take place so that the lust of the flesh can manifest these things that we just read about they can manifest in our lives strife and wrath and idolatry and witchcraft and adultery and fornication uncleanness all these things can manifest in our life that's why he shoots these fiery dots at us and that's why it's very important that we protect ourselves with the shield of faith the scripture told us here in the end and it says of of the which i tell you before as i have also told you in times past the bible is telling us of the word of god the man of god has said i've already told you here in to the galatians he's speaking to the church of galatians but he's also speaking to us today i've already told you in times past that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of god you shall not see the kingdom of god i like to say you will not see the city for the smoke you will not see the kingdom the city of god for the smoke of hell you will not see the city for the smoke if you or if i we participate in these things the word of god is telling us we will not inherit the kingdom of god james 1 13 through 17 tells us let no man say when he is tempted when these things come to our minds uh our thoughts he said let no man say when he is tempted i am tempted of god for god cannot be tempted of evil neither tempted he any man but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed 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 by the devil then when lust has conceived when those things have conceived when those things have got into our heart because we've already read where satan's fiery dogs are evil thoughts when those evil thoughts get into our hearts when that evil lust get into our hearts when that passion get into our heart when we've already talked about the breastplate of righteousness that we have to guard our heart why because it controls the way that we live our lives it, uh, the issues of our life comes out of our heart so when these things get in our heart when these temptations of various kinds get into our heart the bible says but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and entice that when lust has conceived when it has got in there it bringeth forth sin and sin when it is finished when all that sin is finished when it's complete when it's done when it has used you uh, wasted us dry when the, the the spirit of the lord is nowhere to be found in our lives when god has turned his back on us when we have sinned when that lesson has conceived in us and we have turned away from god we can talk about psalms 1 when we uh when we talked about in a previous episode uh the godly and the ungodly how we must not we must turn away from these things when that sin is conceived in our hearts 
on the inside of us, it bring uh, when the lusts are conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, when it has used us and abused us, we talked about how the devil want to have us and how he wants to sift us like wheat. We talked about the sifting process, how he want to uh, throw us up and down, thrash us here and there, step on us, roll over us, how he, how the sifting process takes place. And uh, when the sin is done, when it is finished, when we are finished being sifted like wheat, it bringing forth death. Why? Because God is not there. Everything is removed. Everything of God is removed from us. The sifting process, we know is a good process to get the wheat, get the chaff from the wheat. But the, the, the turning around, the sifting process for Satan is to take away the things of God away from us, out of our lives, out of our soul, out of our minds, out of our hearts. The Bible says when the lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. My God from Zion, and when sin is done, when it is finished with us, it brings forth death. The Bible said, do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good and every perfect gift is from above. It cometh down from the Father of lights. Who is the Father of lights? The Father of lights is God. With whom there is no variableness, nor shadow of turning. So don't make a mistake. The word of God is telling us, don't, don't err. Because every good and perfect gift, it comes from God. It comes from God above. So when the devil comes to tell you that God has rejected you, or God has abandoned you, or God is no longer with you, don't listen because we know we've already talked about it. When he speaketh, he speaketh a lie. Everything that comes out of his mouth is a lie. Why? Because he wants us to walk in a sinful nature. He wants the works of the flesh to manifest in our lives. He wants this to happen because the word of God, he knows the word just like we know the word. He wants the word of God to manifest in our lives because he knows that the, the word of God says that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. He knows that the word of God tells us that when these lusts have conceived, once the seed has been planted and that seed has taken root and that seed begins to grow, we talked about learning the root cause of the things that happen in our lives. We already talked about that. When the lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And once that sin is done with us, when it is finished, the word of God says, it brings forth death. But there's a but. The Bible says, do not err, my beloved brethren. For every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. So when a, when a believer understands the objective nature of God's truth and operates in that understanding, then all other areas in our lives are 
automatically stabilize. John 8 and 32 tells us, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. <coughs> Excuse me. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make, it shall set at liberty from the dominion of sin. The truth shall make you free. So my God from Zion, let us know the truth. Let us adhere to the truth. Let us get the truth on the inside of us. Why? Because it's going to set us at liberty. It's going to separate us from the dominion of sin. It is going to set us free. Now above are the 17 works of the flesh. And these are the actions that the enemy desire to entangle us in. And if we do these things, we will not go to heaven. My God from Zion, we will not go to heaven if we do these things. Now, let's talk about the literal part of arrows. Arrows, these, these arrows, uh, these fiery dots, these are arrows tipped with inflammable tar and pitch and shot off after being lit and these are the fiery dots. The arrows can set the shield ablaze, of course, causing panic and possibly the throwing down of the shield. Once the shield catches on fire, the soldier, it's possible that the soldier will throw it down, which then makes us vulnerable to the spears of the enemy. Then the enemy can attack us with a different uh, a weapon. So the burning arrows represent every type of assault devised by the enemy, which includes temptation, impurity, involving conduct, false teachings, persecution, doubt, and despair, just to name a few. We've already talked about the 17 works of the flesh. It is imperative that we take the shield of faith everywhere we go because the Bible tells us in Hebrew, the 11th chapter and verse 6, and without faith, it is impossible. Hear me. Hear me on today. Listen to the scripture. Let us get it into our spirits. Let us get it into our hearts. Hebrews 11 chapter and verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So if we do not have faith, it is impossible for us to please God. We have to take the shield of faith. We have to believe that God exists and that he rewards us when we seek him. I don't know about you. But I want to please God. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be one that walks around without faith because the Bible is telling me that it's impossible to please God without faith. Now, if my goal is to please God, then I know that I have to have faith. I have to have blind faith. The Bible tells us uh, um, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. We hope for it. But we cannot see it with the natural eye. That is what faith is. It's the evidence of things not seen. The evidence of the spiritual realm. We can go back to the spiritual realm. Faith is the evidence of the things that take place in the spiritual realm. The things that are not seen. 
the things that we hope for. It's the evidence of things that are not seen. So therefore, we must have faith. Faith is the power that enables the believer to resist and triumph over such attacks that the devil brings forth. And in order to gain this faith, we must continually hear the word of God according to Romans 10 and 17, which states, Faith is the substance, and we just talked about it. Faith is the substance that creates a shield against the enemy's attacks. In God's sight, without faith, we are not qualified for the battle. Therefore, we are already defeated. Let me say that again. In God's eyesight, we just read the scripture, Hebrews 11 and 16. In God's eyesight, without faith, and we do not have faith, we are not qualified for this spiritual battle. We are not qualified. The scriptures say it is impossible to please God without faith. Therefore, we are, even, we are not even qualified for the battle. And if we're not qualified qualified for the battle, we are already defeated. My God from Zion. I thank you for listening to Sister Allie Katz T, where we talk about all things church related. We dig into the scriptures of God to glean, to gather, to learn about the spiritual realm and what God, the tools that God have given us to fight in this battle. Again, thank you for listening to Alicat's Tea and I will talk to you soon.